<laughs> Glad it's not just me. Brilliant. So this morning, if you remember nothing else, I'll be sad. But um, remember this, that you are anointed and commissioned. Okay? That's, that's the main thing, the main takeaway from this morning. Um, and as we go through, hopefully you'll, you'll be able to recall the scriptures that we've just read as we go through this, and you'll see how I think they tie in together. Caitlin, are we recording, yeah? Fabulous, thank you. Um, so I think, I don't know about you, but I found it really hard not to be struck recently by the, the celebrations and the honoring of the life and the faith of, of late Queen Elizabeth. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty well known, isn't it? And I've watched a couple of things on, on YouTube, and now my YouTube feed is, is mostly royal stuff, which is, which is a filter I'm going to have to kind of try and get out of. But there was some really good stuff in there. Um, and, and recently, I, somebody shared a story with me, and, I, and then I checked it out, and, and, it, was, and it was true, which is great. Um, of an occasion of, of a thing that happened at the Queen's coronation. I heard this beautiful thing of how at her coronation, when it was time for her to be anointed as the Queen, which is the most significant and sacred part of the whole coronation service, the Queen took off her royal robe and stepped off of her throne, and went down, and then was covered by a pall, or a, um, a canopy, and hidden from view. Right? But not only that, it was considered such a sacred moment that the cameras stopped recording, so she was hidden from general view, but the cameras stopped recording, and not only that, um, the story goes, what it says it happened is the cameras were even turned away from it. That's how sacred and holy and precious that moment was, right? And it struck me, and what I loved about it was the simplicity almost of that. The queen went before God as an ordinary woman, without her robe, without showing off her lineage and her titleage and her heritage and all of the other edges that you can think of that are appropriate, without any of her qualifications and stuff like that, she came to God as an ordinary woman to be anointed for the task that he had set before her, which was to be queen. And I love that that anointing happened out of sight because it mirrors to me the way God typically does it. He typically anoints and sets people apart when they're out of sight. My mind was immediately drawn to David, right? David, when he comes before King Saul and says, I'm qualified to slay the giant, he, his qualifications that he lists of how, the stories of how when he was shepherding his father's sheep sheep, real sheep, stupid smelly, dumb animal sheep, right? When he was shepherding those, he would spend time worshipping and praising the Lord and facing bears and lions to protect the dumb sheep. And so, essentially, he comes now and goes, God anointed me then for that, and it's from that place, those humble, unseen things, that now I know 
I can face the giant to save the rest of the dumb sheep. The nation of Israel, us people, humans, right? That's David's qualifications. He says, I was with God in the unseen, and I looked after my sheep then. And that's, I think, where God actually anointed him. Yes, we've got the story of the prophet anointing David, and again, that was sort of out of the way and, and, and backwards. But I think that's when God anointed David, when he saw him faithful, courageous, out in the field before no one but God. And then I was also reminded of Gideon, okay? Because we're not all like David, let's be honest. I think most of us, well, I'm speaking for myself here, more like Gideon. Gideon being a scaredy cat in a fraidy pants. He is living in the land of Israel. They are under, um, words have been falling out my head all week, um, invaded. They've been invaded. They're under occupation. That's the word, occupation. And Gideon is doing a job. He is just trying to survive. He's trying to do a job. His job is threshing wheat, right? He's trying to get the wheat out of the kernel. Now, you're meant to do that job on a raised area, a surface, so the wind, the wind blows, it can blow the chaff, the kernel, away, which is lighter than the seed of wheat itself. Where's Gideon? Not on a raised outside platform for all to see, but in a wine press of all things. Wine presses in Israel in those days, massive round containers built of brick, mud, clay, massive, you know, and he's like this, and he's stamping on the little stuff. It, not doing a good job, let's be honest, because there's no wind to blow the chaff. He's in a fraidy pants doing a bad job, and yet the Lord comes and says, I have chosen you, and I am anointing you and commissioning you to rescue my people. Out of sight, unseen, highly unqualified. And yet God chooses him. And so the queen's anointing and David and Gideon and countless others reminds me that we come to God with nothing. We don't come before God with our academic achievements or our work achievements or any of our strengths and stuffs, do we? We come to him simply as we are with no status and yet Jesus gives us those royal robes that we don't deserve. We heard it in Isaiah where he says he's clothed me with royal robes. It's the same. And actually, Scripture is quite blunt about this. James, the brother of Jesus, so he might have known a few things, right? James chapter 4, verse 6 says, The Lord opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so thinking about that, as we think of our own commissioning and our own anointing, we hold all these scriptures, Isaiah 61, in mind. Um, Isaiah 61 is an important one to hold into mind when we think of anointing and commissioning because it's Jesus' anointing and his commissioning. He quotes it in Luke and he says, I have come to rescue the blind, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. This is my point. This is my purpose. I have come to do this. And then Jesus, before he leaves, passes that same commissioning on to his followers. And it's not limited just to the 12 disciples, you know, the, them, them holy bokes with the little lighty lights up around their heads. It's not limited just to them. 
He gives it to all of his followers. So John chapter 14 that we read this morning, but especially, I've got to find it, especially from verses 12 to 14, right? I can't get there eventually. John 14. We read it just a second ago. But verses 12 to 14 says this. When I get there. I tell you the truth. These are Jesus' words. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. It's not asking for winning the lottery. The caveat is so that the Son can glorify the Father. But anything we ask of the Son that will bring glory to the Father, Jesus says, I want to do it. I want to do it. And he says, you do it. And in fact, he, um, he says it even more blatantly in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go. Go in the name of Jesus to serve others. Tell them about the goodness of God that's found in Jesus. Tell them through words. Tell them through deeds. And then help them to follow Jesus. Jesus commissions us, you and me, to speak the words of Jesus and to do the things he did. And if that scares you, you're not alone. But as we saw from Gideon, God can use scaredy pants. Scaredy pantses? What's the parallel of scaredy pants? Scaredy pantses. Don't know. Scaredy pantalones. I, I have no idea. Anyway. But here's the thing. Even if you're scared, it's probably good because it means you know it's not about you and your strength and your abilities and capabilities and achievements and stuff, and that's good. Remembering back to last week, we're not alone. We're not meant to do this in our own strength. 1 John chapter 2 is a really good chapter. But I'm going to highlight two verses, verse 20 and verse 27. And if you want to know the missing bits, grab your Bible at home and read it in between. But John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says this, You are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit. Okay? Some translations say you have the anointing of the Holy One. That's our anointing. We have given us His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. Skip a few down to verse 27. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything that you need to know, and what he teaches is true, it's not a lie. Just, so just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So, like the Queen, we have had a commission from Jesus to go and tell people about Jesus, to spread the good news that God has drawn near, that there is, there is nothing that we can do or say or have done or have said that will be a barrier to Jesus, to God, because Jesus has come. There is no sin so great that Jesus cannot hold you. That's the good news. We are not alone. We have not been abandoned. God has drawn near. And we are to tell people that through the words that we speak, 
through sharing the words of the scripture, and through actions, through the way we live our life. And sometimes that's as simple as being showing kindness even when we're tired. Sometimes it's sharing what we have. Sometimes it's saying, hey, do you know what? I know of a safe place. Let's go and hang out together. Our cafe is a really good safe place, just by the way. It looks like something, is what I'm saying. And sometimes it also includes saying, can I pray for you? That's our commissioning. But we also have an anointing, the gift of the Spirit living within us. And so much like the queen at her coronation, we can come before God in simpleness, with all our faults, with all of our failures, with all of the baggage that we carry. We come before him, and the only caveat is that we come before him with humility. Not a, ta-da, Savior, I'm here. We come in humility, trusting in his past, present, and future faithfulness. Remember last week? It's his faithfulness that enables these things. And as we come before the Lord in faithfulness and in humbleness, he will do what he has promised to do. And so we can faithfully, we can um, confidently is the word, we can confidently receive and accept the commissioning of Jesus to go, to tell the good news, to make followers of Jesus, knowing that we are going not alone, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, and as a family, we do this together as well. As we seek to live in faithfulness and service to God and to neighbor, we go confident, knowing that despite our weaknesses, God, who is faithful yesterday, today, and forever, will be with us. Let's pause I've said enough. I want God to say some bits. So we're going to take some moment. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us now. So come, Holy Spirit. I mean, you're already here, Lord. We thank you for that faithfulness. For you've promised that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are with us. And so, Jesus, we know you're with us. We thank you that you're with us. Would you speak to our hearts and speak to our minds? sense like some of you might be, might be feeling quite scared about that, that idea of being commissioned to do the things Jesus did. You're not alone. It's a scary thing. It's okay to be scared. God's, 
God's got your back. That's what Lydia said this morning. He's a faithful God. He doesn't sort of just wind us up and then release us and let us go and see how far we can make it. He walks with us every step of the way. And it doesn't always also look flashy and upfront. You know, mm-hmm. David's tending the sheep for his dad was, was his faithfulness in, in working out there. His God was with him. I'm reminded of the, um, the Old Testament story with um, the prophet Elijah who goes to the, uh, the widow's house and asks for bread. And she's making her last meal, essentially, for herself and her son. She has the faith to share it with Elijah, and God moves miraculously. That, that wasn't a big showy thing. That was essentially hospitality. But hospitality with intent and purpose. So I want to encourage you, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be up the front of a stage. It doesn't have to be you know, with the sign outside of a station and loud shouting. Um, yeah, I just sense that, um, just wanted to impress that on that what, what God does in public in your life when you're in conversations with people is often an outflow of what he's done in private. 